0: Thank you, Brother Bass, for those kind words and greetings in the name of the Lord Jesus. So good to be in the warm, sunny Florida. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. If you think it's bad here? I've been in uh, contact today, off and on, uh, at home, and they're in the midst of a major snowstorm. They had about eight inches at 3:30 and promise of four or five more inches. Uh, by the time it's over with tonight and the possibility of more snow tomorrow so if I was home tonight I would be curled up in front of my fireplace and reading a book and eating popcorn and just so relaxed and here I am right now so tense and so uptight and, and uh, I am wondering if I'm in the wrong place or not (laughs) but uh, I do appreciate the very kind invitation to be here and I know sometimes it sounds like that uh, what we're running in meetings like this is a mutual admiration society and uh, you know you preacher gets up and introduces a speaker and says a lot of kind words and then the speaker gets up and says a lot of kind words about him. It's not a bad deal really when you think about it. <laughs> but uh, if you had to put up with as much abuse as some of us preachers do and all the bad things that people say about us sometimes, why well, you could understand sometimes we really need this. And uh, <laughs> It may be the only thing that keeps us going until we get back home to uh, face reality again. But uh, having said that in jest and lightheartedly, I do appreciate these men on the platform behind me uh, so much more than what they'll ever realize. Uh, I know a lot of these brethren, and these men are what they say they are. What you see is what you get. They preach it straight and they live it straight and uh, they love god and they're concerned about the cause amen not just about uh about the nation or an organization or a fellowship or whatever but they have a concern about the cause which is greater than anything else and uh, i do love and appreciate uh, these men and appreciate brother bass and the other pastors that cooperate with him and help him put this meeting on And I'm thrilled and excited about the tremendous growth that I see in this meeting, uh, numerically, uh, both with laity and the ministry, and the influence of it is spreading. Uh, I like to see good apostolic meetings grow and uh, have an influence and an impact upon the world that we're living in. And uh, I'm glad to be a part of a meeting that I can endorse and that... uh, believes what I believe and preaches what I preach. And uh, I think we need uh, to uh, come together and network with uh, brethren of like precious faith. And I'm going to tell you something, this, uh, this thing is narrowing down rapidly. And uh, even as I stand before you tonight, in just between now and the last time that I was here in this church, which has been probably three years ago, I believe. Uh, There are men that have shifted their position, and uh, I think that is so tragic and so foolish to be this close to the end, and I do not understand what happens to a man that causes him uh, after having a successful ministry and building a great apostolic church then to want to change directions uh, i just don't understand that i mean seems to me like that just uh, common sense would dictate that uh, This message and this methodology has brought us this far. Why would we want to abandon it now? Amen. But I appreciate this apostolic doctrine. I appreciate uh, uh, what God is doing in the church tonight. And uh, again, thank you, Brother Bass and this church for your great hospitality beautiful room and and uh, just so many nice things and I appreciate it very very much I do not take that for granted amen I'd like to invite you to stand with me tonight if you would I'm going to be reading from the book of Genesis um, and if you want to go ahead and turn to there and find your place in chapter number 32 I'll be reading from there in just a few moments but uh, I do want to say how much I appreciate the messages that I've heard thus far in this conference and uh, I believe brother Raleigh sounded the keynote last night when he reminded us of our calling and our purpose and that is to be a witness and uh, I do not want to fail in that uh, in that area I want to be a witness amen as he so ably described for us last night appreciated his sincerity and the burden that he delivered that message to us. And uh I really kind of trying to find the mind of God and and uh I didn't know what I was gonna preach when I came to Florida and I only have one little possibility in mind and uh Brother Hood just took care of that this morning. I mean uh he preached about staying focused and uh, as I listened to him preach, uh, Brother Hood, I don't know what your resume is and what all you've been in the past, but you are definitely a pastor now. <laughs> Amen. I heard I heard overtones of pastoral exhortation yeah. all the way through that wonderful message this morning. And uh, I'm telling you, there's many things to distract us in the end time, yeah. and uh, we have to learn how to tune out all the voices but the voice of God and follow Him. And I appreciate that message. And, I told Brother McKillop before church, I said, uh, you and I have to talk. I said, you lit my fire today, and uh, my, what a tremendous job of challenging us to uh, move into and to operate in that dimension of the Spirit, and uh, I appreciate uh, the checks and balances in the message that he preached today. He covered that. He got us where we need to be without putting us off into some uh, fantasy land of uh, humanistic philosophy and, and Eastern mysticism where we create the world that we want to live in around us. And it's the will of man that uh, we impose upon God instead of seeking out the mind and the will of God. And I appreciate somebody taking that message and preaching it and teaching it with balance. And uh, theologically and scripturally correct. And uh, it's sound doctrine. And I appreciate that so very, very much. And, and, uh, and I have gotten a lot out of this meeting already. Now, tonight, I'm going to ask a request. And it's a sincere request. Uh, after you have preached for a while, and a few people have heard you preach, they begin to type you and categorize you. And, uh, stereotype you. In other words, you get put in a box after a while. Yeah, right. yeah. And, uh, we'll put this preacher in this slot and he's gonna preach a certain way and do a certain thing and, and, uh, and so everybody, everybody gets ready. You know, you go down to Bubba's and you eat barbecue and, and uh, you go down to Shells and you eat seafood and yeah. you go here and go there. So we kinda, we kinda get labeled after a while and, uh, and, uh, I guess i do it to people myself but uh you have to know that uh you cannot build a church on conference preaching and uh some of the most capable and able preachers in our ranks sometimes have trouble building a church because it takes something besides conference preaching to reach a center, and to stir the saints up and have revival and have a move of God and get people living right. And uh, I know we come to conference to hear those kinds of messages, and uh, I have some of those. In fact, I just happened to bring a few notes with me to this conference, but uh, God is not going to allow me to preach in that direction, and so what I'm going to have to do here tonight is, uh, as you're... As the pastor has said for me to take my liberty, uh, I am going to pretend that this is Sunday night yeah, in right. Tulsa where I preach and that there's people here tonight that needs God. And there's people that are lost and undone and searching for answers and needing a touch from God. And uh, you're going to have to allow me to preach what I feel in my heart tonight. And uh, we may just end up with an altar call before this is over and try to pray some folks through the Holy Ghost if that would be all right. right. Praise God. I hope that's appropriate in a revival conference. Amen. Amen. Reading now from the book of Genesis chapter 32, beginning in verse number 6. And the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to thy brother Esau, and also he cometh to meet thee and four hundred men with him. Then Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed, And he divided the people that was with him and the flocks and herds and the camels into two bands and said, If Esau come to one company and smite it, then the other company which is left shall escape. And Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord which set us unto me, return unto thy country, and to thy kindred, and I will deal well with thee. I am not worthy of the least of all thy mercies, and of all the truth, which thou hast showed unto thy servant. For with my staff I passed over this Jordan, and now I am become two bands. Deliver me, I pray thee, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau. For I fear him, lest he will come and smite me, and the mother with the children, and then on down in verse number twenty two and he rose up that night and took his two wives and his two women servants and his eleven sons, and passed over the fort Jabok, and he took them and sent them over the brook and sent over that he had, and Jacob was left alone, and there wrestled a man with him until the breaking of the day and uh, what I want to preach to you about tonight, my subject is going to be dilemma at Jabog. Dilemma at Jabok. Amen. A dilemma is when you are in a tight place and your options are limited. And either way you go, it's going to be a bad choice. Either way you go, it looks like you're in trouble. Amen. Don't we find ourselves in that place quite often in this day and hour? Amen. So Jacob was in a dilemma at Jabok. Amen. Let's put our bibles down and let's talk to the lord together here tonight lord jesus thank you tonight for your divine presence for your touch upon this service for your anointing tonight god would you come and talk to hearts tonight would you touch lives would you change us god in jesus name in jesus name now lift your hands and let's praise thank you lord jesus i worship you lord i worship you lord i worship you lord Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. For just a few moments, as a way of introduction, I want to talk to you tonight about the seriousness of the sin of backsliding. Backsliding is something that we are faced with. I suppose there's probably not a person here tonight that at some time or another in your walk with God that Satan did not try to put something in your pathway to cause you to become discouraged and lose heart or to tempt you to turn aside to the things of the world or go back to the world that you came from. Amen. But most of us know tonight that backsliding is not a light thing, but it's a very serious thing with God. In fact, in the in the Old Testament, uh, the nation of Israel was characterized as a backsliding heifer. It seems like that every time that God was trying to lead them in a certain direction, uh, they would uh, back up and balk and begin to back up and go the other direction. And every time that it looked as though progress was being made, that old same old spirit that uh, had been in them from generation to generation would rise up again, and they would turn away. From 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 the paths of righteousness and go seeking after the paths of iniquity and idolatry and the things of the world and to show us how seriously that God considers backsliding he actually accused the nation of Israel of being like an adulterous woman and uh, speaks of the sin of backsliding in the same vein as that of committing adultery for you see God was bound to Israel uh, by a covenant relationship much like a man and a woman are bound together, as uh, the prophet Malachi said in chapter 2 and verse number 14 about the wife of thy covenant. Amen. So God was bound to Israel in this covenant relationship when she broke the terms of the covenant and turned aside and followed after other gods. Uh, it was the same as committing adultery. And so tonight when I talk about backsliding, it is not a light subject. Amen. It's not something to just casually touch and move on. And it does have serious, serious consequences. Uh, to an individual and I was at a funeral recently and uh the man the pastor there one of our one of our pastors was conducting the funeral and uh, the man that had uh, been killed in this accident uh, was a, uh, a backslider and this pastor made reference several times throughout his uh, message to uh, his uh, the way that he handled backsliding and things of this nature and he said I only have one rule in my church He said, those that attend my church know very clearly what that rule is. And that rule is simply this. Uh, If you if you fall down, you must get up again. And uh, in the context of what he was saying, uh, just saying that alone, it sounds like a positive statement. But in the context of what he was saying in the message and the comments he had, in the message he was simply saying, you know, backsliding is not that big a deal just as long as you get up again. And he went on to say, well, you know, this man, he was talking about and thinking about getting up again and and then went on to call him a brother and what a great testimony had left and on and on and on having had some connection and uh, having dealt with some people that had moved from that city to our city and attended my church and and we had prayed them through they were in a backslidden condition and it just seemed like it's so easy for them to get discouraged and backslide and as I begin to investigate this I find that this church is characterized by everybody just a real casual attitude toward backsliding if you become discouraged or tempted and there's something out there in the world uh, that you're being tempted by, well, just check out for a few weeks and, and go backslide and, and wallow around in the hog pen until you get tired of it and come on back and pick up and go right on. It's no big deal. Amen. But I want you to know tonight, backsliding is a big deal. Amen. Amen. Most people that are going to successfully live for God and be saved will never backslide one time. At the same time, if you do backslide, there is a place of repentance for those, amen, that really will seek after the face of God. So an attitude such as this will inevitably produce a church of chronic backsliders, amen. And even as much as God hates the sin of backsliding, He loves the backslider, amen. He does not slack in His efforts to try to save the backslider, amen. Amen. May be preaching to one individual in this service tonight, if it is, I do not apologize for preaching to one person, amen, because the Bible uh, characterizes the Lord Jesus Christ as leaving ninety and nine sheep in the fold and going out into the darkness of the night to seek out that one lost sheep to restore it back to the fold, so if it is necessary, amen, in this revival conference tonight for one service, amen to depart from feeding the ninety and nine and go after that one, then I'm willing to do that tonight. And I trust that you'll allow God to reach for the backslider in this service tonight. (laughs) Not only is Israel a classic example of backsliding, but God used a prophet by the name of Hosea as a living illustration of the sin of Israel and her backslidden condition and her incurable uh, 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 backsliding. And he told Hosea, go down to harlotry and take from there a wife and uh, take her home with you to be your wife. Now that's not a good place to go looking for a wife. Amen. But God was trying to illustrate, amen, of where he found Israel. When he called Abraham from Ur of the Chaldees, a place of idolatry, a place of immorality, that's where their genesis was that's where the beginning was amen was in such a state as that and god called them out of darkness into the light and the revelation of one true god and god brought them into uh, uh into an understanding of who he was and as they faithfully followed him he entered into a covenant relationship with abraham and to his descendants and so uh, as uh, time goes on sometimes we forget what we were when god found us amen we get a little bit taken up with and a little puffed up, amen. But ever now and then we need to remember the pit from which we were digged. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Earlier this week, one night this week I told my wife, I said I'm going to be tied up this evening. There's a man that God helped us win from a life of, of drugs and, and a drug pusher and fighting and violence and on and on and on and he's been so strong and so faithful. When it came to God he didn't have anything. And now he has a good job and, and they covered him up with work and he hadn't been in church but one time in about two weeks and God was dealing with me and I knew that if I didn't get to him that the devil was going to tempt him. The devil was going to trip him. He was going to fail. And I told my wife, I said, look, I'm not coming home until I find him, until I get a chance to sit down and talk to him. Amen. And try to get him stirred up and understand the dangerous place that he's in. And God helped me to be able to make contact with him and and to talk to him. And he had a very receptive spirit. Amen. But I'm going to tell you something. We need uh, to remember where we came from. I reminded him, amen, that he had not Nothing before he came to God. Amen. He couldn't pay his bills. Amen. His family dressed like a bunch of pums. They didn't have decent transportation. Now they got two late model vehicles and, and they got money in the bank and he's buying uh, these kinds of things and something else. I said you better not let mammon become your idol. Amen. Now that God has delivered you out of that world of sin. Amen. You better put God first. Don't let anything come between you and God. Amen. But it's easy. It's easy to let something come. Come between you and God. So, this woman, amen, her name was Gomer. Take from the life of harlotry, uh, harlotry, and she was given a home. Amen, a home that was filled with love and security. She had a doting husband. Amen, and to that union was born a daughter and two sons. A beautiful, beautiful family. Amen. But there was something in her that had never been cured. Amen. There was a uh, there was just a little uh, hidden desire in her that still loved and enjoyed. Amen. That past life, and so the day came when her husband came home and he found the dear John note. Amen. I'm gone. Amen. You can have the house. You can have the kids. I'm out of here. Amen. i got to find some excitement. I'm bored with this life that I'm living. I'm going back where I came from. Amen. A broken hearted husband. Amen. And some small broken uh, hearted confused children was left there. Amen. To suffer and try to survive. Amen. Because mama was gone from the home. Amen. It used to be yours ago that you heard about daddies leaving the family. Amen. But we're living a day and hour. Amen. When there's a strange spirit. Amen. That's coming to the land. And more and more we're seeing uh, instances such as what's described here in in the scripture where a spirit gets a hold of a woman and she just loses her sense of direction and she loses her uh, normal desire and is willing to walk away from her home and her husband and from her little children and go running after some idiot she's met on internet or something! instances of that. Amen. Getting on the internet in these chat rooms, emailing back and forth and around. Amen. All of a sudden. Amen. They're having some conversations and talking to some folks. Amen. That they've never met. They don't know who they are, what they're about, or even what they look like. They can put any kind of picture on there they want to. Amen. Any kind of profile on there that they want to. Amen. But the next thing you know, a spirit of lust has gotten on them. Amen. And they got to go clear across the United States to meet this of uh, 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 this, whatever it is, this, uh, 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 this answer to, of all their dreams and fantasies. Now they're going to be happy, amen. And they leave a good husband, and they leave children, and they leave their home, and they leave a good church, and throw it all away, amen, for just a little fling out there in the world. Amen. A spirit of insanity must get a hold of people that would be willing to do such a thing as that. Amen. But while uh, Hosea was grieving, amen, and he was crying unto God and God said, don't worry, Hosea, I'm going to hedge up her way with thorns. Every time she thinks that she's having a good time, she's going to run into a wall of thorns that she can't get through. Every time she thinks she's going in this direction, he said, I'm going to head her off. Amen. I'm going to make her so miserable she's going to be abused and, and mistreated and he said I am going to turn her around and bring her back to you why would God do that for such a person as that amen rather than focusing upon the sin of Comer for just a moment why don't we consider a love amen that would be willing to go to that extent to try to restore somebody that had turned their back on their husband Amen. I'm telling you that God loves the backslider. God loves the sinner tonight. Amen. If we're not careful, we're going to get an attitude against the backslider. I've had key people, right-hand men, amen, uh, backside and walk away from the church and leave me in a lurch and embarrass me, amen. It looks like to my congregation that I don't have any spiritual discernment, amen, putting people up to preach or putting people up to lead service or, or to sing or or to teach a Sunday school class or, or an elder in the church, amen. And then to see them turn away from God, it embarrasses me. Sometimes I get angry when I see what they do to the family and to other people people that are close to them. And if we're not careful, we're going to get an attitude against the backslider. Amen. To where we build a barrier of resentment that they cannot get through to get back into the church. Amen. we got to watch our spirit. We need the mind of Christ. We need the same love and compassion that Jesus Christ had. Amen. For uh, uh, backsliders in the Old Testament. And for you and I, when we disappoint Him when we fall short. And I'm not making excuses for backsliding tonight. Amen. I hate uh, backsliding. And I do have a thing within my power to try to get people so established and in a relationship with God to where they will not backslide. But backsliding is something that we have to deal with. Amen. It was in the Old Testament. Jesus had it with His own disciples. Amen. They had backsliders in the New Testament church. And we got new backsliders in uh, 2000. Amen. I'm going to tell you what. I, I, I've asked God. I've really questioned why He wanted me to preach this tonight. And the only possibility I could come up with is, could it be, we're praying for revival. Could it be that God wants to give us a revival of backsliders? Amen. We started the church here in Tulsa 19 years ago. That's, that's how far back our history goes. No further than that. A lot of churches uh, represented here tonight have a much lengthier history than that. And what I'm fixing to say that applies to our church would doubly apply to some other churches. Amen. But if just a fourth of the backsliders, amen, that have gone through our church in the last 19 years, amen, was to come back to God, it'd be the greatest revival we've ever had. Amen. I'd immediately have to go into a major building program to have room to take care of the backsliders. Could it be tonight if somehow or another Amen. The Spirit of God could touch our hearts and wash our minds. Amen. And wash our spirit. And we could begin a a new burden and desire to see the backslider restored. Amen. That God could bring backsliders back into the church. You don't know how many tonight are lonely, how many tonight are sitting at home alone or off to themselves in a bar somewhere and their hearts are heavy and they're thinking right now, I really miss the church, I really miss the fellowship of God's people, I really miss hearing my pastor preach the word of God. Amen. If it wasn't for so much uh, junk that's happened and if I wasn't so embarrassed, I'd go back to the church. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I don't want my attitude to keep anybody out of the church. I don't want my attitude to keep anybody out of the altar. Amen. I want to have an attitude of Christ that invites the backslider to be restored. Many of you have read his books, listened to the tapes. We talk a lot about Brother Verbal Bean. Some of you maybe knew him. and. And heard him in person. I had the privilege of, of, uh, hearing him preach a number of times. And, uh, actually I've been in his church, uh, several times when he was pastoring there, uh, when I was living in the Houston area. And, uh, and, uh, he was a most unusual person. And, uh, I've saw him several times in his own church, uh, come to church and, and to he didn't start service like we normally do. He'd just have everybody praying and praying and praying and praying and he'd get up and I've seen him just lean over the pulpit like this and, and he'd begin to talk about some folks and I've been thinking about George today. He said, you know, George hadn't seen George in church now for six months and, And uh, then he'd talk about someone else a while, and he'd have the church get down and pray a while. I've been there when they've done that for two and three hours in a row. That's all they did. Amen. And Brother Bean would literally just double up. In, almost in convulsions of of weeping and crying and praying. And uh, one of the things that uh, some of the men that worked with him that uh, have told me that characterized him is that any time a backslider uh, came back to the church and, and came to the altar, that Brother Bean would be down there weeping and crying and praying with him. And they said there was some folks who just didn't want to live for God. And they'd been through those altars 8 or 10 or 12 times. But Brother Bean acted like they had just left the day before and this is the first time a man of such compassion amen i i, I don't know what if sometimes if, if we don't get just a little hard-hearted and a little jaded and maybe we give up on people before god gives up on them Amen. And I know there's some folks that can eat up all your time. And, and there's some folks that are insincere. And, and and their tears are crocodile tears. Amen. But I don't want to get a cynical attitude. Amen. I don't want to get to a place that when people pray, i look at them and say, Well, I wonder how long they're going to last. I wonder if they mean business or not. What if we'll see them next Sunday night? My God, if you got that kind of attitude tonight, why don't you repent of it and get rid of it? I've seen people get the attitude, we're going to hold them at arm's length till we see if they're sincere or not. Amen. We're going to watch them a while and see if they mean business or not. Hey, who made you the judge? made you so good and so perfect and so righteous, Amen. That you got a right to hold people off at arm's length until you see if they're going to pan out or not, Amen. If they they're sick. Amen. They're they're like somebody in the intensive care unit. They need somebody, amen, to take them in and to nurse them and to nurture them and to care for them and to look after them and to do everything within your power to see that they have every opportunity and chance to make it. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. I don't know why I'm preaching this or who I'm preaching to tonight. Amen. But I feel like we need a new love for souls. We hear a lot of preaching about church growth. Forget about church growth. Get your burden for souls. Amen. If you start praying souls through. Amen. If you start, amen, touching God. Amen. For the needs of those that are lost, you'll have church growth. We don't need a church growth seminar. Amen. We need a burden and a love and a compassion for souls. We need the same spirit to get on us that was on Jesus Christ. Amen. This is not a business. Amen. I said, this is not a business. This is a church. I know we got bills to pay, and I know we got business to take care of, but I didn't get into this to be a business administrator, amen, I'm in the ministry, my calling is to minister to the lost and the dying and the hurting and the needy, it doesn't matter if they got any money or not. It doesn't matter if they got talent or not. It doesn't matter if they're educated or not. That's not my business. That's God's business. Amen. What I need to see is a soul that needs God. Some folks only focus on the elite. Amen. And that's where they set their sights. They want some folks that will add a little class to the church. And and they want some folks that will add a little money to the church coffers. And and they want some folks, you know, with a little prestige in the community. And so that's what they're reaching for. Forget all that nonsense. Amen. Just start reaching for souls. It doesn't matter where they come from, which side of the tracks they come from. Amen. Whether educated or not educated or whatever. Amen. If we would get a love and a burden for souls... Amen. God'll add to the church daily such as should be saved. Some of you don't need a banker in your church. Amen. You you'd ruin them if you had them. I saw one man that won his banker to God. Every service, he had to get up and brag about his banker coming to church and his banker this and his banker that until the banker got to thinking he was the most important person there. And guess what? He isn't even in church today. Amen. i am tell you what we need to get excited about is just people finding Jesus Christ. Amen. Their sins being forgiven and remitted and washed away and filled with the Holy Ghost and living for God. Amen. That's exciting to me. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. Is this a revival in evangelism conference or not? Thank you, Brother Rowley, for preaching about witnessing last night. But we got to make sure that the reason we're witnessing is because we're trying to fulfill the commission. We're trying to reach souls. We love people. Amen. We're not trying to build a church so that we can have a big name. We're not trying to necessarily outdo the church across town or in another state. Amen. There's a lot of folks that are so ambitious in the Pentecostal movement. Amen. This thing has become a competitive business. Amen. Who can build the biggest church? Who can build the most elaborate building? Who can do this? Who can do that? Fully on all that. Amen. I'm not jealous of anybody's building or anybody's congregation. I am concerned about having revival in the city that God planted me in. That's right there. I'm not competing with the Baptists. I'm not competing with the Charismatics. Amen. I'm not competing with anybody. I'm just trying to do what God's called me to do. Amen. We get so focused on worldly success and setting goals and and achieving and, and imagining what we want to accomplish in life. Hey, let's get back and find out the will of God. Let's find the mind of the Spirit. Let's learn how to pray in the Holy Ghost until we know what God's will is and then do it. Well, I didn't know I was going to say all this, but I'm not going to put it in reverse just because I have. I don't have any apologies to offer. Amen. I'm tired of all these seminars. I'm tired of all this junk that we're hearing. Amen. I'm tired of all the competition and the slick tabloids and on and on and on. Amen. I want to see a real move of God. Too much blast been exhausted amongst us. I believe God gets embarrassed and checks out of many meetings. Amen. Because uh, everything that's been said and done is not to the glory of God, but to the glory of man. Let's forget who's here tonight. Amen. Let's forget. Amen. Who's preaching. Let's forget who's on this platform. And what do you say? Let's open our hearts up and have a move of God. Somehow in this meeting. Amen. Let's sweep aside all of that kind of junk. And let's see if we can have a real death to the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, help us tonight hallelujah you can be seated hallelujah my scripture text here tonight i spoke of this man by the name of jacob Jacob is one of the important characters of the whole Bible, amen, he's one of the ones that uh, was one of the forefathers, one of the founding uh, men of faith and in the lineage of Jesus Christ and so forth, amen, he's a grandson of Abraham, he was in on the, you might say the foundational part of this uh, Old Testament church that God was setting up and then preparing the way for the New Testament church. And so uh, this, this man Jacob is very, very important uh, to the story of redemption. He's a man that had a lot of problems, had a lot of hang-ups. He was a rascal. Amen. If he was living our day and time, you wouldn't like Jacob. Amen. You wouldn't want him for your best friend. He didn't have very many friends. In fact, I can't see that he had any friends most of the time. And the reason why is because if you got close to Jacob, he's going to take you to the cleaners. And, uh... And so uh, he had quite a history behind him and uh, and so this man, Jacob, where I read to you about tonight, he is in a fix amen he, if he goes backwards he 's in trouble if he goes forward he 's in trouble. if he stays where he 's at they 're going to catch him from the front and the back amen you see his he 's on a collision course with his past. Why is he so nervous? Amen. Why is he so antsy? Amen. What, what's what's wrong with Jacob? I mean, he's just all over the place, just a bundle of nerves, just so nervous and and upset and and on and on and on. And uh, then he gets his wives together. And says, "Now you take your you take the, these kids and you these herdsmen. You go in. And let's divide the flock here. Let's do this. Herdsmen, do this. Go here. Do that. Something else. I'm splitting y'all up. And I'm gonna put half of y'all here and half of you over here." He's all nervous because he's getting close to home. Amen. Now most people get excited when they've been gone from home for many, many years. And Jacob was kind of excited about the idea of going home because when he left where he was at, home sounded better than where he was at at the present time because he had outstayed his welcome at his father-in-law's house. Now, we won't go into in-laws and and sons-in-laws and daughters-in-laws staying at their father-in-law's house till they wear out their welcome. I'm not touching that subject. Amen. You're not paying enough for me to touch that, Brother Bass. Amen. I want to make sure, amen, that I had a, a fast plane out of town if I preached on that. But anyway, and I'm not trying to send any messages back to Enterprise. Brother Paget's the pastor of my daughter and son-in-law and, and two of the sweetest children you've ever seen in your life. Amen. I would say the sweetest, but I'll have a problems with Brother Bass. So it's neck and neck. All right, we'll go for that. Anyway, so he outstayed his welcome. And Laban is angry with him. And he overheard Laban's sons, which was his brother's-in-law, talking and saying, You know, Jacob has ripped our father off. And he has stolen our father's uh, uh, goods and his herds and his flocks. And and what they were thinking about, you know, when daddy dies, we're not going to get near as much inheritance as we were going to get because of this rascal Jacob. He has ripped daddy off. And so Jacob was a little nervous about that. And, and uh, then he uh, noticed that his uh, father-in-law Laban's face was not as kind toward him as it had been in times past. And he decided it's time to clear out of here. Amen. So he got his wives together. And uh, he gathered everything up in secret. And they took off as fast as they could. Put three days journey between them and Laban. But when Laban come home and found that his his daughters and his grandchildren were missing. And Jacob and his herds and flocks. He got him some men together and they took after them and overtook him in seven days. And that was a showdown. Amen. Laban was angry. And Laban had sufficient men with him. Amen. To have killed Jacob and to take uh, his daughters and his grandchildren back home. And I understand how Laban felt. Can you imagine? He was taking those grandchildren away permanently. Laban knew that he would never probably see his daughters or grandchildren again. And they had grown up right there around his feet. And he wasn't happy about it also he saw his flocks and herds leaving and he realized how much of his possessions that Jacob had won from him amen and then uh, uh, he also began to miss his idols his idols were gone and so it was one angry man that came looking there for Jacob that day and when he caught up with them they had words and and they talked for a little bit and somehow or another they were able to make peace and, and so they heaped up a heap of stones and they ate on top of those stones and they made a covenant that neither one of us will ever go past this pile of rocks to do harm to the other. Now my friend, that's not a whole lot of comfort when you're dealing with a man with a track record like Laban. Amen. He had changed Jacob's wages ten times. Amen. Every time they had a deal, he changed it. Laban thought nothing about changing the rules in the middle of the game. So that's not a whole lot of comfort to know That you got a father-in-law that hates you And sons-in-law that hates you And the only thing standing between you and them And their wrath and anger Was a pile of rocks And a promise from a liar Jacob did the only prudent thing And that is put as many days distance between him and that pile of rocks as he could. I don't believe he ever intended to go back to that pile of rocks. Amen. I'm not getting close to that dude if I get out of here. Amen. So for a while, the only thing he could think of is putting as much distance between him and Laban as he could. But then as he began to enter into familiar territory, he began to think, hmm, going home. Going home. He began to reminisce about home, and as he began to reminisce about home, he came down to his leaving home. And the last thing he remembered his brother Esau telling him was, As soon as daddy dies, I'm coming after you. I'm going to kill you. I'm going to destroy you, you dirty, double-crossing, cheating hound you. Read it for yourself. That's the oaky version. Amen. It's in there, but you got to be spiritual to see it. That's right. Amen. So if you can't see that and you've never seen it, you're just not spiritual enough, but it's in there. Amen. And so, he began to think about Esau. And he began to think about his hide. And here he is. If I go backwards, Laban's going to get me. If I go forward, Esau's going to get me. If I stay right here, both of them's going to get me. God had hedged his way up with thorns. Amen. God was still dealing with this man to bring him to the place that God wanted him to be. Amen. So here he was on this collision course with his past. Esau was coming to meet him. He sent some uh, men out to spy out and check out what was going on. They come back and said, Esau is coming with 400 men. And what that meant was, they're armed, they got blood in their eyes, and they're looking for your hide. Amen. He's not taking any chances. He's going to make sure he's got enough forces to take care of you. Amen. So here, uh, Jacob is filled with dread and anxiety. Amen. What am I going to do? Amen. Sometimes I feel like that kind of anxiety and dread gets on people when they come to the house of God. Amen. they got a past that's pursuing them. Amen. They're carrying a lot of baggage with them when they walk through those doors. It's unbelievable. Amen. The condition uh, and the circumstances that people bring with them when they come to the house of God. Amen. Uh, Tuesday, my wife and I counseled a new convert, young lady, twenty years old. She's pregnant, out of wedlock. She came into the church uh, a few months ago. She was already pregnant, and and she began to tell us her story. It was um, almost unbelievable. Amen. She met this guy at a friend's house, and and uh, and they uh, started partying, and and was uh, nineteen years old, and and uh, he was thirty three years old. And so now she's pregnant with his baby. And now she knows a lot more about him than she did then. And and he's a dealer and he's worthless. and, And on and on and on. She told us her story of all the financial problems she's in. She's having to file bankruptcy because of all the bills they made in that short period of time in her name. And they bring all of this into the church. I'm telling you, people pull a lot of baggage with them nowadays. Amen. It's like the hounds of hell. Amen. Are on their trail and coming right after them. Amen. If they go back, it's going to get them. Amen. But sometimes, especially when a case of a backslider, they left the church because they had some problems. They might have had a run in with the pastor. They might have had a misunderstanding with the Sunday school superintendent or with the school principal. Amen. Or with the ushers. Or, or, or with the sister in the church. Or with the pastor's wife. And uh, and some things happened. And, and they built up a case. And, and they got their feelings hurt. And they laughed saying, I'll never go back to church. And, and they made such a scene out of it all. And they had so many negative things to say about everybody in the church. And, and these stories began to come back uh, to the saints in the church and, and then they begin to tell one another what was said and, and after a little bit everybody says, "Why wow, that ungrateful outfit that's uh, that good for nothing wretch after all we've done for them amen and then they're going to talk about us that way and on and on and on and on and on and it's not long until when people in the church sees the backslider they won't speak to them and they walk in and sit down on the bench you scoot over not toward them but away from them Amen, they almost have to break their way back into the church. Listen, there's enough out there, amen, behind him without them meeting that kind of attitude in the house of God. Amen. Amen. So he was filled with anxiety he didn't know what to do amen so he did the only thing he could do and he took his family and divided them as I described to you just a few moments ago and, and he began to try to figure out a strategy. He, he was a, he was a thinker and, and, a, and a planner and, uh, and a manipulator and, and, and a man that always, uh, t- thought ahead and, and, and had things figured out and knew what he wanted and, and knew how to get out of trouble and so forth and so on. But now all of his guile and, and all of his strategizing and, and everything else that he was trying to do after he got it all done, he still felt this dreadful fear. He knew that it didn't go work. This time. This isn't going to get it. I've got to do something different. Amen. God had him where he wanted him. God had him in a corner. Amen. And so later on that evening, Jacob crossed at the uh, at the Fort Jabbok. And then the Bible says he was alone. And there a man met him and began to wrestle with him. Oh, let me tell you something. This man needed to get a hold of God. Amen. Jacob had, had taken his family out of that land of idolatry. But they were still tainted with the spirit of idolatry. Amen. They still had that He needed help. He had problems in his family. He had problems at his father-in-law. He had problems at his own father's house. Amen. His whole life was in chaos. Every direction was dysfunctional, if I could use a, a popular word in our day and time. Everything was messed up. Amen. But he found a place alone at Jabbok. Jabbok means a pouring forth. Amen. He began to pour some things out. I think he began to pour out all of his frustration. He began to pour out all of his anxiety. He began to pour out all of his fear. He began to pour out all of his hurt and all of his misunderstanding. He began to pour out before God until until he started getting honest with God. Amen. j was a place of decision. This is where Jacob made up his mind. Amen. It ain't going to be like it's been in the past. Amen. I'm going to get a hold of God. I've made up my mind. Amen. i got to have God. He made a decision. Someone here tonight needs to make a decision. He said, we got to make decisions. And then the second thing, amen, it was a place of honesty. He finally got honest with himself. He saw himself for what he was and who he was. Amen. When he said, what is thy name? He didn't want to tell him what his name was. You remember when his brother Esau had said, you're rightly named. You're a deceiver. You're a liar. You cheated me out of everything. Everywhere he went. They called him Jacob in derision. It'd be like us nicknaming somebody Tattletale. Like we did when we were kids. Every time we saw him coming, Tattletale, Tattletale. Do something to him. Go tattle now. Go tell mama. Go tell the teacher. Am I the only one that did that? Nobody likes a Tattletale. Amen. Some folks we label as a liar. Didn't believe nothing they said. Amen. Because they didn't tell the truth. And they were rightfully labeled that. You know, but sometimes people get tired of being a liar or being a cheat or being a tattletale or being this or being that. And they want to change. And Jacob was tired of his name. He was tired of what he was. And he wanted to be something else. And he made a decision. I'm going to change. Amen. I'm going to tell you, when you make up your mind to do something, you make a decision, you're well on your way to seeing victory. You're well on your way to seeing something happen in your life. So it was a time of decision. It was a time of honesty. Yes, my name is Jacob. Admit it. Amen. I don't like what I am. I'd like to change it if I can. And I'm going to tell you tonight, if you don't like what you are, and if you don't like where you are, and if you don't like what you've been doing as far as living for God, you can make a decision tonight to change it. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. As he continued to pour forth... Jabot became a place of determination. Amen. As he wrestled with that man. And we could type into a lot of things. We don't have time. I'm going to move right along. It could be a type of wrestling with your flesh. It could be a type of wrestling with your past. It could be a type of wrestling with the devil. A lot of different things. Amen. But whatever it represented as he wrestled there. Amen. He got a hold of some determination. Amen. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. I'm going to tell you something, my friend. You need to get in this altar and get a hold of the horns of the altar and say I'm not going to let go until you bless me God. Amen. I'm here until something changes. I'm here until I'm a different person than what I was. I want to be cured of the sin of backsliding. (laughs) Hallelujah. I don't care if you've been out of church 16 times. If you'd make up your mind tonight you could change. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah because Jabak was a place of change amen the angel said to him no more shalt thou be called Jacob but Israel Israel that's a spiritual name That's the opposite of deceiver and conniver and liar and all of these things. Amen. It now means you're a prince with God. Amen. You found favor with God and man. Amen. So j was a place of change. I believe our altars are a place of change. Amen. It changed his past. It changed his name. It changed his future. It was a reversal of his fortune. Everybody had been against him up to now. Everybody was looking for him to slay him. Amen. But he stayed in an altar until something changed. Oh hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm telling you there's something you can get in this altar tonight that'll change you for the rest of your life. So much of the time people are too quick to get out of the altar. I'll tell you something else sometimes we're too quick to get them out of the altar yeah. All right. i see folks come to the altar touched by the preaching of the word amen moved upon by god deeply deeply stirred weeping and crying and fall on their face to repent and as soon as they read as they bend over to repent we jerk their arms up and say worship god come on. god wants to give the holy ghost sure he wants to give them the holy ghost but sometimes they need to pray until they change Well, I still believe that repentance is the second, is one of the, uh, ma- the first step to salvation. Amen. It was awful hard to get to the labor and to the holy place without stopping at the brazen altar. When you take the altar out of the church, friend, you got problems. That's why we our churches are being filled up with so many carnal people. Amen. They had never really, truly been born again. They never died to the world. We need to get in these altars, not just for conversion. Amen. But uh, as God moves on our heart from service to service, I think we need to get in these altars and pray until we touch God. I, I said I wasn't preaching to preachers tonight, but can I depart? Would you forgive me for just one minute? Why are we so nervous, preachers? that we can't stand to see people weep in the altars for a little while why do we have to get somebody here they're weeping and crying get somebody over here come on give us a fast one brother picture come on let's, man this is depressing let's get this thing picked up my lord all this crying and wailing and weeping and carrying on what these ministers think we gotta make it exciting it's happy hour it's party time What's all this weeping and crying and carrying on? Some of you would have never made it. You get talking about old time Pentecost. you not made it five minutes. They didn't even have a PA. They didn't have anything electronic. Amen. they had done good to have an old flat top guitar with all six strings intact. Amen. But they knew how to pray. I said they knew how to pray. They knew how to pray. They knew how to pray. They knew how to pray! They knew how to get in the Spirit. Amen. You know, so many things, we, we just try to excite things up. Hype things up. I found out just the other day, a group of preachers have labeled me as negative. And the best I can track it back is because I preached a message they didn't like. And so they're calling me negative. Well, I'm gonna tell you what, when it's considered negative to preach on repentance, and it's considered negative to preach on holiness, it's considered negative to warn people about spirits and attitudes that are creeping into the church, then I will gladly accept the title of negative. If that's what negative means, then I'm negative. I preach that, and at the same time, I still preach revival. I still preach witnessing. I still preach going out there and getting them and bringing them in. And if that's what it means to be negative, then I'm the most negative preacher you've ever heard. And I wear the badge with pride. I'm going to keep preaching that people need to repent. Amen. People need to get a hold of God. We need less hype and more Holy Ghost. While I'm on it, I'm going to go ahead and say some things right now. I feel to say it real, real strong. You can be seated. Go ahead. Freak all. Freak all. Freak. Come on. I believe that somebody could get up from that back seat that needs God. And while the Word's being preached, they've been, the heart is touched. They're weeping, they're crying, they're repenting. They might have been repenting for three or four days before they got here. I don't know when a repentance starts for some people. But I believe they could actually get up from that seat and start to this altar. And with the repentant spirit and crying out to God, some would be ready for the Holy Ghost before or by the time they got to the altar. But I don't believe that everybody walks through the doors, can just stick up their hands and start talking in tongues. Because they haven't died yet. Amen. And we do people a disservice when we preach that message. We're getting something on them, but I'm not sure it's the Holy Ghost. Maybe why we're having so many problems is we don't have near as many Pentecostals in our church as we think we do. Maybe we got a few Charismatics around. And we are the ones... that made them charismatics hello I feel some strange spirits some places I go amen I, I, I pastor at the charismatic capital of the world nineteen years ago I took this spirit on amen and I begin to preach about these think and grow rich doctrines hello about creating things with your own words. I began to do some study and some praying and some research and found out where these doctrines came from. And now here we are in the year 2000 and some of our so-called conservative apostolic preachers are preaching the same doctrines I had to take a stand against nineteen years ago and fight hell to get a church started in the city I'm in. Now, if you think I'm going to shut up and be intimidated because they're preaching false doctrine, you got another thing coming. We don't need a new revelation. We need to get back to the foundation. For no other foundation can be laid than what has been laid. Oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Somebody said, well, I got it. You be seated. I got a revelation on how thousands can get the Holy Ghost at the same time. Well, I do too. Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38. Amen. 3,000. 3,000. Heard that message on repentance and water baptism and then filling of the Holy Ghost. Amen. And obeyed the Word. That's all we need to preach as far as the plan of salvation is concerned. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. Let's don't minimize repentance. Repent ye therefore and be converted. That your sins may be blotted out. When the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. One translation says so. The times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. In other words, it's saying that the times of refreshing is contingent upon us repenting and being converted. That's what's holding back the times of refreshing, is a lack of repentance. But if we'll repent and be converted, amen, we can untie the hands of God. Amen, we can get into the storehouse of blessing that He has for us. Amen. Hallelujah. I wonder what would happen if we get back to preaching repentance. Paul wouldn't need to do near as much counseling. I wouldn't have to have near as many seminars. I wouldn't have to have near as many crusades and singing conventions and parties and get-togethers to keep people interested. If they really repented, do you think they might fall in love with Jesus? Do you think they might actually get converted and change some things in their lives? Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. It was a place of change. And it was a place of destiny. Amen. Thou hast prevailed. You now have power with God and with men. And thou hast prevailed. I'm going to tell you there's something about if you want power with God. You're not going to get it shaking hands and slapping backs in the lobby. Amen. You're not going to get it showing up at everything and doing your little two-step that's not where you get it you're going to get it alone amen you're going to get it wrestling with your flesh you're going to get it hanging on to the horns of the altar amen you're going to purchase it with your own sweat and tears amen there's a price to be paid amen to find favor with God some people are so busy trying to curry the favor of man amen they're into this networking amen this guy's a, you know he's a he's a rising star so I'm going to get real close to him so that when his star goes up amen I can go with him Amen. This guy here is able to promote me. Lots of people knows and, and and respects Brother Bass. So I want to be Brother Bass's buddy so that he can help pull me along. Amen. And they go from one to another to another to another. Amen. That's why one time they're with you. They preach one thing. Or well, with someone else, they preach something else. All they're trying to do is network and connect and get all these contacts together. Because someday a good church is going to come open. Amen. And one of my buddies is going to help me get it. I don't know how I got from what I was preaching to this. Amen. If I'd known I was going to preach this, I might have been afraid to preach it. Amen. But business I'm a preaching it right now, I'm not afraid to preach it. What I'm saying is, if you quit carrying the favor of men and try to find favor with God. If my phone rang tonight and certain men asked me to preach certain meetings, I would be insulted. I would hate to think that I'm so safe and so predictable and so reliable that I could preach somewhere that doesn't stand for this apostolic truth I'm not running for office I don't care if I never preach another conference I don't get nothing out of it but a headache and a stomachache Amen. I'm not after any accolades or anything along that line. I don't even care. I'm 51 years old. I could care less if I never preach another conference. But I'll tell you what I do care about. I care about this apostolic movement. I care about this doctrine. And as long as God gives me an opportunity and a platform to speak on, I'm going to speak the whole counsel of God. I've just about reached this point. There's some places, I don't care if they ask me to preach, and if they ask me again, I'm not sure I will. It. When you start binding up the pulpit, and you give a man his liberty as long as he's preaching what you want him to preach, but he preaches the truth, and he's in the book, and you set him down, and you talk about him when he gets through, I don't care about those kind of folks. They've denied the faith. Amen. When you're ashamed to let somebody preach the truth in your pulpit, you've denied the faith. What's wrong with preaching holiness? Aren't we holiness people? What's wrong with preaching integrity? Don't we believe in integrity? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What's wrong with holding people to a standard of conduct and consistency when that's no longer welcome in our pulpits? We're well down our road toward a charismatic movement. You know what got us to where we are? It was an unfettered pulpit. It was apostolic preachers being turned loose to preach the whole counsel of God. Be seated. i got something else to say one way to control this pulpit i 'm going to show you how to do it right now, okay. I look this group over. now this is just for illustration purposes i don 't even know some of you men okay no i can 't use him at my conference because I heard what he preached down at uh, let 's see where was that meeting at ooh we can 't have that. I got some important friends coming that would really be offended by that kind of preaching, so we can 't have Brother Alviar to preach at our meeting. Oh, those Lambus. Those Lambus. I don't know about this guy, but I know his dad. Everybody's heard about Brother JB Lambeth. If he's anything like his dad, we just can't take the chance, so we won't have him preach at this meeting. Amen. We can't have this elder here preach at this meeting because man, he gets pretty plain sometimes. You understand what I'm saying? So, we, we select those that are safe. And, and I'm not going to select anybody here because I don't want to make it look like that I'm trying to uh, say something to somebody. I'm not. I'm not trying to give anybody up here a message, okay? But here, I could just start with these young men right here. This fella, are you a preacher? Are you called a preacher? Or you just like to sit right up here where the preachers are? You're preaching a little bit. You're trying to get of this rubbed off on you, aren't you? Let me rub someone on you. I want you to be an apostolic preacher. Amen. It's a good place to sit. Get some of it rubbed off on you. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. But so I say, hey, hey, th- th- this, this young man, he wouldn't preach anything controversial, so I'll use him. And this guy over here, he's always safe, you know. He always preaches about the blessings of God and this and that and the other. So... You know, in the world they call it stacking the deck. But in Pentecost we call it don't rock the boat. But whenever by that gets up here is safe and predictable. Forget a move of God. You have to have more singing. And you have to have more uh, promotions. And you have to have more of this and that. In fact, probably you ought to start a little drama ministry. Yes, sir. In our city, uh, one church only had about 80 or 90 people. And they didn't have a secretary or an assistant pastor. But they hired a fellow to come in as full-time drama minister. And they opened a supper club. And when people come in to eat, they was going to give them a drama and use that to win them to God. Bet you never thought of that. Far as I know, they only lost 20 or 25 during that experiment. But that's an that's a idea. You probably hadn't even thought of that, had you? I'm not against having a little skit, let the young people get up and act out uh, a little deal about soul winning or anything like that. I'm not preaching against that. But I'm saying the more we leave the preaching of the apostolic doctrine and the more we begin to uh, play it safe, we're going to need something else to pick up the slack. Amen. we got to keep it fluffed up. Amen. Some of these... Oh, dear Lord, help me. I thought I was going to make an altar call. Can I have five more minutes? Well, east of where I live is the beginning of the Ozark hills, or mountains, they call them. Depends on where you come from. You're from flatland, the mountains. From Colorado, the hills. But uh, these Ozarks are pretty rugged and steep, and very curvy, the roads. And up and down, up and down, up and down, <clears throat> they're starting to get some uh, divided highways through certain parts of it. But most of it's still narrow, two-lane, no shoulders, winding roads, very dangerous. And they tell a story about a man <clears throat> that was a truck driver. And uh, he was uh, pulling an 18-wheeler, you know, with a big van uh, box, uh, van on the back there. And uh, he was pulling that 18-wheeler, and uh, he'd wind his way around, around, around. There's no place to pass for miles and miles and miles and every time he got to the bottom of the hill he would stop and he'd get out and he'd take a, he'd pull a big old stick out and he'd go around and he'd beat all over that van on the sides, on the back scream, holler, beat and beat and beat and then he'd run and get in the truck and start grinding gears and go up the grade and start up the next hill he'd wind around and make it to the top and around and around and finally get down to the bottom Fix and start another hill he'd get out and do the same thing This went on for miles and miles and miles and miles. And finally, they got off that road and they come to a truck stop. And that trucker pulled in there. This motorist just had to know it. He pulled in behind him. He said, I want to know what in the world you were doing. Why did you keep getting out at the bottom of every hill and taking that stick and beating all over your truck and screaming and hollering? He said, well, he said, the load limits on this this truck is I can only haul 42,000 pounds. And he said, I'm hauling 80,000 pounds of canaries. And so before I can get that load up the hill, I have to beat on the box and get all the canaries flying. And then I can pull the hill. Some wise, improvising young man. Or someone amongst us has figured that out. And before every service starts, we have to get our stick out and stir up the canaries. If we get enough of them flying and enough hype, maybe we can get this load up the hill tonight. I thought it started in the prayer room started with clean godly living all week. Well, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Let's all stand together. Praise God. I believe we can prevail. Amen. I believe that we can get past the dilemma that we're in. Wherever you are tonight, if you're a frustrated pastor, amen, there's a way to get past it. Amen. If there's a backslider here tonight, amen, and you don't know which way to go and you're sick of the life that you're living and you're miserable tonight, you can find what you need in this altar before we leave here tonight. Somebody say hallelujah. Amen. You can turn your mistakes into miracles. Amen. God can help you tonight. Amen. God can take your life and make a miracle out of it. Amen. Let's pray to God right now. Lord Jesus, we thank you tonight for your word. We thank you tonight for your concern for the lost. We thank you tonight for your long suffering, for your patience. We thank you for your compassion and your mercy. God, let us have that same compassion that you have for the lost. Help us to fall in love just like we used to be with souls tonight, God. Help us to get our eyes and our focus off of things that don't really matter. Help us to get our eyes off of the limelight. Help us to get our eyes off of having big buildings, big churches, big numbers, big money. And get our eyes and our focus upon souls. Help us, God, to return back to the basics. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, can we talk to God for just a little bit here tonight? Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus. Come on, let's talk to God for just a little bit tonight. I need you, God. before I turn this pulpit back I started out preaching to sinners, backsliders people that are lost I went some other directions but I want to end up where I started tonight and I'm not making a general altar call for everybody to come to the altar tonight if there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know God and the reality of the Holy Ghost if you've never repented of your sins if you've never been baptized in Jesus name if you've never see the baptism of the Holy Ghost the Bible way Amen I want to invite you to come to this altar right now if there's a backslider in this place tonight that has come Amen and visited church during this conference, just trying to kind of feel things out and and see if it might would work for you or whatever. Amen. And you need God. I'm going to invite you to come to this altar right now while the church is praying. Anybody that wants God, just step out from the pews and make your way down to this altar right now. We'll pray with you tonight. Amen. Where are you? God bless this brother right here that's coming. Amen. 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 Just find your place to talk to God. Who else tonight is God dealing with? Who else is God dealing with? Surely this is not the only man. If it is, amen, and we can pray him through tonight, it's worth it. It's worth it. What about it, young person? What about it? Church, would you pray with me? I know it's late. I know we, we want to dismiss. We want to do this and do that. But Brother Bass said, forget all that. Let's have a move of God. Amen. Would you pray right now? Nobody looking around. I want to wait just a moment longer. Is there a backslider? Is there somebody that needs to make a start for God that wants to come to this altar right now? Amen. And pour your heart out to God. Is there somebody that's been struggling for a while? Amen. You've been struggling. You're just about to lose out. You're about to give up. Why don't you come on down here and get a new touch of fire in your soul tonight? Hallelujah. 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 Praise God. Praise God. Brother Bass hallelujah
1: hallelujah 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 here two three you brother pray for this man i'd like for everybody in this house tonight i want you to start praying for somebody that you know as a backslider all across this building i don't know how many people are here tonight but i want you to start calling the name of somebody who is a backslider everybody in the house everybody here tonight knows somebody who is backslidden hallelujah hallelujah we need some ladies some preachers wives or whoever we've got a lady here that's in the altar praise god i just feel like all over the house tonight everybody come on let's pray we got a couple here in the altar praying but let's throughout the audience here tonight let's take it upon us to respond by the spirit tonight come on call the name of somebody that's out of the ark of safety right now call the name of somebody that's backslid, somebody you know that's not where they need to be with god come on church everybody in the house let's don't look around let's pray right now let's let this be a prayer meeting to reach somebody Who knows who might be in the brook Jabak tonight? Who knows tonight around this city, around this state, this country, the souls that are at Jabak, you might call the name of somebody that's struggling, that's wrestling right now. Let's help them in the spirit. Hallelujah. In the name of the Lord. Oh my God come on when you get through praying for one pray for somebody else see how many names you could call right now people that you know are backslidden hallelujah jesus Praying, church. Let's keep reaching around this place. Hallelujah, Jesus. We've heard from the Lord a message that we needed to hear. Hallelujah. Thank you, my God.